0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, how the sorrows Grown new your wail From giants right down to fairies, above the drooping and solitary And oh, so are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside yeah. Fireside, the Puka fireside, the Merrill fireside. Kings and queens, fat and heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore mythology have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 117 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we tell a folk tale about the 12 wild geese. But first, if you are a new or a returning listener, you are very welcome along. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to get in touch. It's the best place to message me or just check in and say hello. I've recently started uploading, I've spoken a little bit about how I've been re- developing a poetry collection over the past year or so, and I've started to upload a few video poems over on Instagram to build up to a, hopefully, to a self-publishing release. Um, so check, head on over there if, you, if that's your type of thing as well. Please do support me on Headstuff Plus if you want to join the Fireside community for as little as €5 Euro a month to gain access to not just bonus material from Fireside, but all the other podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I just last week uploaded our first bonus episode, which was all about the mythology and the history and the lore behind Patrick of Ireland and everything we associate with St. Patrick's Day. I hope you all did have a, a happy St. Patrick's Day. But I've also uploaded a video of the live show from the, heads, from the uh, Dublin Podcast Festival. I've uploaded a video of my Ballad of the Giant's Causeway, and there's going to be more and more stuff. It's really, and it's really starting to take off now because it's a very new thing. Head stuff. Plus, delighted that we've just crossed over twenty subscribers, which is fantastic. And especially since so many of them have crossed over from the Patreon account, who are already very kind benefactors of this podcast. Who this podcast could not continue without. So, I want to give a thank big thank you to our most, our three most recent. Uh, Joiners of Headstuff Plus for this week, which is Ruth Phillips, Elizabeth Alarid. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, and Fernando Frias. So thank you so much. You have joined Dara Courtney, Mike Campbell, Claire Byrne, Karen Jackson, Philip Kyo, Cassandra Burrow, Ben Clifford, Connor Phelan, Elizabeth... uh Catherine Steele, Kit Mallow, Brian McGlynn, Jason Dixon, Christopher Kendall, Emma Grossmith, Bernadette Brady, Nicole Searlich, Matthew Hill, and Adele Fitzgerald as the supporters on Headstuff Plus. So I hope you enjoyed the new bonus episode and much more to come. I hope you all can notice a significant difference in the audio fidelity from the last couple of podcasts. I am delighted to announce that I am settled again. I'm not on the road anymore. Well, I suppose I am in a way, but I'm back settled in a in a new mobile setup here, so we should be very good with a nice warm quality with a good mic and good surroundings. I hope it, I hope you don't didn't notice too much the last couple of weeks. Particularly last week I think was better I was in a warmer warmer scenario but for the next few months at least I'll have this same setup so this will be the standard and hopefully even better the story for this week is a folk tale that I love when this happens where I read a story and it reminds me where I know I have read it before it's like reading something from a past life when you read something in a version that you can't quite place. The best example of this was when I read the story of Fionn McCool and the Old Man, which I covered a few months ago when we were looking at Norse mythology. And I realized halfway through reading it that I knew the story and I didn't know from where. And I knew it because it was a Norse myth of Thor in the Land of Giants. And so I really enjoyed adapting both those stories because I'd read them totally separately. And it's a very, very strange feeling when you're reading a story that is familiar in it. And it's not that you've heard this exact story before. You've heard a version that has the same kernel as it. So with this story today, I read this, this tale, The Twelve Wild Geese, and reading it going, I know this story as well. And it's another story I found in the Brothers Grimm. It is a story called the Twelve Brothers in Brothers Grimm. And it's one of those cases where I'm not sure if this is just an Irish adaptation of the Grimm tale, if the Grimm was an adaptation of the Irish tale, or if there's just a kernel that there are so many versions of throughout the world that this is a mono-folk tale, like a mono-myth. I'll let you be the judge of that, and we'll talk a bit more afterwards. But this is the Twelve Wild Geese over on Fireside. THE TWELVE WILD GEESE Once there was a king and queen with twelve children between them. Without a girl in sight, the whole pack of them were boys. Your humble bard is the younger of two boys, and when he asked his own mother if she had ever wished he had been a girl, her reply simply was, I waited so long for you, I didn't care what you were. But as for this queen... One winter's morning, she found herself gazing out of the window of one of her castle towers as the snow was falling on the rose bushes, and she thought out loud, Oh, if I only had a daughter, with skin as white as snow and lips as red as those roses, I would give up each and every one of my twelve sons. We mustn't think too harshly on the queen, for she merely thought this, "'She didn't, nor would she ever have said it to anyone. "'We can't judge anyone for thought crimes. "'Otherwise, we're in 1984.' "'But unfortunately for this queen, an old Kylock, "'a witch, had been lurking by the rose bushes for just such an occasion.' "'Aha!' said the old crone as she revealed herself. "'As you have wished, so it shall be done. "'You will have a thirteenth child, and this shall be a girl.' And when your daughter is born, you will lose each and every one of your twelve sons. (laughs) The queen burst into tears, horrified by what she had done. She ran to her husband, the king, who reassured her that no one would take their children from them. When the queen came to the end of her third trimester and it was time for the birth, the king and all twelve sons were present as was an entire suit of armed guards and druids waiting to defend the sons from the Kyloch. But resistance was useless. For the moment the queen gave the last cry of her birthing pangs and the beautiful baby daughter was born, each one of the twelve brothers began to feel strange. Their fingers began to tingle, their arms itch, Their necks ache, their noses swell. Each boy fell to the ground as they began to sprout feathers. Their cries of pain began to sound more like a honk. The twelve brothers had been transformed into twelve wild geese. And like the wild geese of the Jacobite War, the twelve brothers flew out the window of the tower and out of sight. The young princess grew up without any knowledge of her twelve brothers. Her mother did not want to burden her with the guilt she felt every day for having lost her sons. The girl's hair was as black as raven's feathers, with lips as red as blood and skin as white as snow. Just like Nisha of the Sons of Ishnach, whom Deirdre of the Sorrows had fallen in love with for just such characteristics. But when Snow White... no... Let's call her Schnockdien, Little Snow. When Schnockdien was twelve years old, she was rummaging through her parents' wardrobe like a usual inquisitive little girl, and she found twelve shirts. She went to her mother and asked, Mother, who owns these shirts? They cannot all be fathers. The queen could not lie to the only child she had left. They belonged to your brothers, who were transformed into wild geese the day you were born. We have not seen them since. The queen told the princess that this curse was the price of her birth. The princess had always felt lonely, like there was something missing in her life. And now she knew what it was. That night she packed a bag and crept down the tower stairs and snuck out of the castle. Shnachdine was determined to find her brothers and break this curse. In the nearest village, the girl began to ask locals if they had seen a flock of wild geese. Such a thing would be a rare sight even in Ireland to this day, so everyone she asked shook their heads. But Shnokdine was not discouraged, and several villages in townlands over, she came across a clue. A villager who had told her, There are twelve young men who live in the woods with their mother. I believe each one of them has a pet bird. Perhaps those are who you are looking for. The princess hurried to this cabin in the woods. It was not hard to find, and she knocked on the door. "'A boy about her own age answered. "'Schnachtin felt disheartened because surely the youngest of her brothers "'would be at least twice her age if they had been transformed the day she was born. "'But the girl did not have long to think because the boy grabbed her and pulled her inside.' "'You knocked on the wrong door, little girl,' said the boy. "'My brothers and I made a solemn vow that we would kill any girl that came to this house, "'for it is because of a girl that we are cursed to remain here.' "'This seemed too much of a coincidence. "'I am the princess of the kingdom, "'and I am searching for my twelve brothers who were turned into geeks because I was born. "'And if you are one of my brothers,' I will gladly die to break your curse. The boy was then the one who cried as he threw his arms around his long-lost sister. Oh, sister, I have wanted to see your face since the day we were cursed. It's not your fault this happened to us, nor do we blame our mother. My name is Benjamin. I am the youngest of your twelve brothers. Come and meet the others.' Schnachdien was brought in and presented to the other eleven of her siblings, who each embraced her. They all were still adolescents or young men. "'How is it that you have not aged? And how are you not still birds?' asked Schnachdien. "'The curse has frozen us in time. We only appear human as long as we stay within this cottage,' they said. "'One stickler of a brother,' hesitated to mention. What about our vow? Everyone in the room turned to this brother. Let's call him Gerald. Bloody Gerald. We have a vow to kill any girl who comes to this door. I don't want to harm our sister any more than any of you, but if we don't, we risk further wrath of the if you do harm a raven hair on that child's head i will turn each and every one of you into creatures far worse than geese an old woman's voice suddenly came from the back of the room it was the very kyloch who had cursed the twelve brothers she was now their warden and schnock went to the witch if you feel compassion for me "'What will it take for you to free my brothers?' "'I would never hold you responsible for your mother's wrong, child,' said the witch. "'But nor is it a spell so easily broken. "'I will give my life for theirs. "'That is noble, but not quite necessary. "'The real challenge will perhaps be more difficult. "'If you can remain silent for seven years, the curse will be broken.' "'and not just silent. "'You must not laugh, smile, or even cry. "'If you speak a word, even in the last minute of the last day, "'your brothers will remain wild geese forever.' "'The princess nodded in immediate acceptance of this challenge. "'She left her brothers to find a spot of solitude to live in for seven years. "'It was deep, deep in the woods,' in her own little cabin that Shnokdine lived. After a year or two, who should come riding into the forest but the young king of a neighboring kingdom? The king had never come across a girl like Shnokdine, who would not even speak or smile at him. For her part, the princess had already spent so long on her own that she ached for companionship and the young man was as handsome as he was persistent. The young king thought perhaps the girl could not speak at all, but through a series of nods and headshakes, he convinced Schnockdean to come away with him and become his bride. The whole court of the kingdom was perplexed at this silent woman the king had returned home with. He had always been somewhat of a wild card, but literally carrying a mute girl from the woods was too much for even them. But the king would not listen, and the two were married. Though, of course, the princess could not say, ''I do,'' she nonetheless nodded her head in consent. Schnockdin did love the king, and longed to speak to him. But she was now more than halfway through her seven-year vow of silence, and she had to remain loyal to her brothers. But the king's mother, the queen mother, became instantly jealous of the young queen and did everything to poison her son against his new bride. There are those who cannot speak, but she is not even capable of emotion. She never cries or even smiles. Who knows what evil she is capable of, what atrocities she may have already committed. But the king would not listen. When the young queen became pregnant with their first child, the queen mother had to take drastic measures. When the baby was born, the queen mother crept into the nursery, took the infant outside, and tossed it into the mouth of a hungry and grateful wolf. The wicked woman then returned inside and smeared blood all over the mouth of the sleeping queen. The next morning... The whole kingdom was horrified as the news that the queen had eaten her own baby spread. The king was heartbroken. He thought his mother had been right all along. The young queen was sentenced to death. But she did not protest, and she did not cry. It was the seventh year. She was too far gone now a pyre was mounted in the center of the palace courtyard and the young queen was tied to the stake she would be burned alive in a punishment fitting her monstrous crime the king begged his wife to speak last words to explain herself but she refused she kept her head high to the skies a particularly eager courtier was the first to light the pyre as he did so the last second of the last minute of the last day of the last year of seven came and went. Before the fire could spread, twelve wild geese flew down from the sky and attacked every courtier holding a lit torch. One quenched the lit fire with his webbed feet, while the others used their teeth to free the princess. Once she was freed, the twelve geese transformed back into twelve brothers, each not a day older than when the curse had been placed. Schnockdine did not even recognize the sound of her own voice as she told the assembled crowd of the curse and of her innocence. Everyone knew it must have been the Queen Mother. The stake was considered too quick a death and instead The infanticide was placed in a barrel of snakes, befitting the poison she had spread. And she didn't last long in that. The End Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. This is What Would You Do If, the podcast to answer all of your What Would You Do If questions. It's Callum and Jess here, and every week we look at how we'd handle different situations. Before finding out what you should do if you're in them. So far, we've looked at What would you do if you saw someone stealing? A bear attacked you, but baby started choking. You were stuck in a lift. You can hear those episodes and loads more on HeadStuffPodcast.com with a new one every Monday. And that is the story of the twelve wild geese on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. A couple of things to to talk about with this. In the story of the twelve brothers, in the Brothers Grimm, the the twelve brothers are transformed into ravens, I believe it is. Ravens are crows. And ravens are my favourite bird. But it being wild geese in in this Irish version has more... It has more of a, a political, subtle tone to it, because the wild geese is a phrase that refers to soldiers in the Williamite and Jacobite War of the 1640s. And basically when the Protestant king, William of Orange, defeated the Catholic king, James the Fourth at the Battle of the Boyne, um... Then, and the Battle of Vinegar Hill and all of these significant battles of this war. (coughs) Afterwards, there was a treaty signed, the Treaty of Limerick, which permitted the Jacobite Catholic soldiers who had lost the war to go and fight in France and further afield. So... This became a phrase, the wild geese, and the flight of the wild geese, to refer to Catholic soldiers having to flee Ireland and fight in foreign wars. So perhaps it is a a coincidence, but I tend not to think it is. And it just adds a, a sense of a more rooted imagery, and it makes it more of an Irish tale, despite the fact that the goose... Wouldn't be considered a particularly Irish bird. I wouldn't have thought, as I discussed when we did the story of King O'Toole's goose, but that is why I kept it as twelve wild geese. And of course, it's the name of the story in in the Irish in Irish folklore, rather than it being the story of the twelve brothers, because it is very much Schnocktine's story, and that that is a real thing as well. She's described with like hair as white as our skin as black, or. <laughs> hair as black as ebony, skin as white as snow, lips as red as blood, which is both the description of Snow White and of Nisha, of the sons of Ishnok Ion Deer of the Sorrows. So that reference was, in fact, accurate. But it is Schnachteen's story and a few changes had to be made. I I do think this is very much a version of the version I found in the Irish fairy tale books compiled by W.B. Yeats and in the Brothers Grimm book I use of Philip Pullman, Grim Tales for Young and Old, which is my favourite adaptation of the Grim Tales. And in the story of the Twelve Brothers, there's a long, much longer sequence when the Queen becomes married to the King. And actually, as horrible as it sounds, the Queen Mother kills two babies and feeds both of them to wolves. So the Queen is actually forgiven for the first crime for the for eating of the first child, and like in the second the second time she gets pregnant again, the king just instead decides to station loads of guards around her so that she can't eat the second baby, and the queen mother manages to knock all of the guards out and feed the second baby to the wolf, but I just didn't I didn't like this idea that someone would be forgiven for that first eating of a baby. I thought that even for a you know a, a mid 19th century folk tale that that was a bit much so i thought the the one child was more than sufficient also as it happens a queen being accused falsely accused of eating her own baby and being having her face smeared with blood is a story is a is a beat in a story from the maganogion which is the stories of welsh mythology which I think we're going to get closer and closer to adapting for Fireside because I've touched on Norse mythology and a couple of other things and, you know, the Oscar Wilde tales, and I've liked taking the little deviations. I still always want, you know, this is a storytelling podcast and and while I, I do think there is still endless material in terms of Irish mythology and folklore, folklore particularly, although I'm having such fun, really filling in the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology that we're doing now. I think doing the Maganogion would make a lot of sense on Fireside because we share the mythology. It's, it's not the same kind of names, but it is Celtic mythology. They're a Celtic nation. And actually the biggest hurdle and the biggest difference is just that Welsh is a very different language. It isn't, an, it isn't the same kind of language as the Irish language is. So I have to do my research on my pronunciations because it's they're quite tricky for my my tongue anyway. Um but Ireland features in a huge amount of Irish of Welsh mythology. They're often like allies or enemies and there's wars fought. So I quite recently finally dove into the Mag Mabinogion. And I already found that similarity of a young queen being falsely accused of eating her own baby. And it's such a specific reference, it may, makes me think that it has to be connected. But yeah, that that streamlined it, because that ultimately, when you read a book like Grim Tales for Young and Old by Philip Pullman, who is a master, master storyteller, and views and wanted to adapt the grim tales to make them as clear as water without putting his own agenda in them just as he would tell them himself you get a really streamlined and really tight tight version of the story so i like taking elements of that and one thing at this end he always has these very abrupt endings to the folk tales which i quite like it's not something i would have i you know i tend to wrap things up and to make sure we know what happened to everyone, which is probably much more traditional in terms of storytelling and folk tales, Because if you were telling them to a child as a bedtime story, you know, the inquisitive child will always have more questions. But what happened then? And, you know, what happened to that person and that? But the caustic, abrupt ending adds like a final punch to it, a final gag. And, yeah, I just quite like it. So with this with this story, it is that just out of nowhere the punishment has decided that it will be locking the queen in a barrel full of poisonous snakes. And that's just the end of her, and that's the end of the story. And I just thought there couldn't possibly be a better end. I mean, we could talk about how, what happened to the twelve brothers, and what happened to Shnokbeen if she went back to her own kingdom, or if she forgave her husband for nearly burning her at the stake. But you're not really going to get a much better ending than just abruptly talking about the evil queen mother. I also decided to make her the queen mother and not the stepmother as that is the cliche trope of, of fairy tales which comes from high mortality rates around that time. So many mothers died in childbirth so there were so many stepmothers and there came these huge challenges with it that then was perpetrated by the Brothers Grimm immortalising stepmothers as wicked and evil and magical so I remove that aspect of it, I do like the stepmother trope because I'm such a fan of classic Disney you know, and so you've got the, the stepmother of Snow White and everything but I just didn't think it was as necessary here because it does simplify it to a little much of a two degree and I never want to get too much into cliche I want to stay within tropes and, and familiarity and all of the things that go with adapting folklore and mythology, but I do still want to tell my stories, and I go with my gut on a lot of these, which I have to when I adapt these, because I write them, I tell them after writing a first draft of them to try and keep them oral, and because if I spent as much time adapting them over and over as I would if I was writing a a play or or a book of poems or something, then I just wouldn't be able to give it the time it deserved. But I already spend a significant portion of my time on fireside which goes into the research and the writing and the developing and I'm I'm happy with that feeling of keeping it loose and keeping it oral I'm I mean I find myself reading from the script when I'm reading the stories and sometimes something won't ring true so I'll take it again and try another way and it does keep it very organic and very alive and that is the best thing about folk tales is the lack of a definitive version of them. And with that, I, yeah, we're perfect timing. I will wrap things up. So I hope you enjoyed the story of the 12 wild geese. Uh, please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bar to check out some dank poems or if you want to get in touch. Please do join the community at Headstuff Plus on com for as little as €5 euro a month. You can pay what you want to gain access to bonus material for not just Fireside, but all of the Headstuff podcasts. Thank you to our newest members for the week. Next week, we will have another story from pre-mythology. It's like the primeval Irish mythology, which is the second landing of Ireland. After Cesar and the Flood, we have Parthalon of ancient Greece. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious.